Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Heights. This episode's brought to you by Stellaments. I love my Stellaments. And you know what? They come in this nice little box, so if you want to send some to that loved one in your life that you think maybe needs a little calming down or a little relaxing, this would be make a beautiful gift. I have to tell you, the packaging is that nice. And you might be surprised to hear, and you shouldn't be if, you, if you've been listening to the show, but you know, fact is that a third of Americans are, are living with extreme stress. And it's been getting worse during the pandemic. And we're not out of this yet. Millions of people like myself have been you know, trying to figure out how to cope with the increasing pressures of work and life during these times. That's exactly what Stellaments were made for. Powered with CBD, Stellaments are a fast and simple way to feel more calm and clear-minded throughout your day. No matter how hectic life gets. Each tin contains 30 mints, and they come in these just wonderful flavors. Very tasty peppermint, lemon, and matka. And now, for a limited time only, for my cubbies, for my listeners... For a limited time, you can receive a complimentary free sample of Stellaments, shipping included. Go to Stellaments.com and use the code PAPABEARHIKES and your order will be converted to a free sample. That's Stellaments, S-T-E-L-L-O, Mints.com and use the coupon code PAPABEARHIKES for a free sample. So when you're outside... And you got flies buzzing around you and you swat them away and somebody says, oh, it's just a harmless fly. You might want to think twice. Today's guest is going to talk about the spotted lantern fly and why we need to be concerned about it. Alejandro Colexo, director of Cornell University Integrated Pest Management Program, is going to talk about that with us. Alejandro, welcome to Papa Bear Hikes. Thank you, Martin, for the invitation. Let's start off by you telling us a little bit about your background. Yes, Martin. So I am uh, an entomologist by training. So I study insects. Uh, That's uh, what I've been doing for the last uh, 20 years. And uh, my area of expertise is on invasive species like the spotted lanternfly. So I've been reading quite a bit, and it seems like over the past month more frequently, about the spotted lanternfly. I live in upstate New York, not very far from Cornell University. And this seems to be growing. Now, what is it about the spotted lanternfly that has us so concerned? It has us now reading about it. What is it we need to be concerned about? Uh, Well, Martin, that's a really good observation. So yeah, we're seeing more spotted lanternfly uh, uh, observations in the state. Uh, we uh, detected this uh, insect uh, for the first time in New York State last uh, last year. So this is probably the second year uh, where we're we're seeing uh, where these uh, outbreaks are showing up in the state, and that's uh, very problematic. Uh, this is an insect uh, that uh, is uh, feeds on on different plants. Uh, that's what we call a sap uh, feeding insect. Uh, it was introduced uh, from Asia uh, in uh, probably 2013, and the first detection uh, was in Pennsylvania in 2014. And since then, it has spread out uh, across different states, including New York State. So, as I mentioned earlier, they feed on different plants, uh, but they do prefer some plants. 
in particular, one uh, that is another invasive uh, species that is called the tree of heaven. The tree of heaven is a, a, a tree that it was introduced many, many, many years ago into the U.S. is very well established in the Northeast, and uh, spotted lanternfly thrives for that tree. So, but they also can switch a host plants. They can go up to diff- seventy different uh, species of plants in the Northeast, including some plants uh, that uh, in, 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 uh, that you can find in agriculture, uh, such as grapes, hops, and apples. And that's where we uh, are very concerned about these pests. Right. Now, you know, if they're feeding off of invasive species, well, it's just one invasive species maybe killing off another. But when you're talking about crops that are indigenous to an area or that or we rely on for our agricultural economy, you know, and, and in Cornell, you're right there in the Finger Lakes. And you talk about how they feed on grapes, right? That grape is is a crop that is in danger by this that that's a game changer uh altogether uh so from 2014 up until last year uh, was there like a was there a jump in the account or the spottings of these flies that created this uh heightened uh, awareness so, uh, Martin, uh, the, the problem is how the spotted lantern fly is being moved from one place to another. And, and it's definitely driv- driven by human activity. So if you are in an infested area and you are parking your uh, vehicle just close to uh, a tree of heaven that is infested with spotted lantern fly, you can perhaps uh, get some hitchhikers uh, that they will get in your car They'll hide, and then uh, you can move those insects uh, very easily to another location. And if they find the right host plant, they can establish really quickly. So one of the things that is is actually a good thing is that these insects, they have only one generation. So you only see like one pick of activity. So they uh, lay the eggs uh, in the fall. So right now, September, October is when they're laying the eggs. And then you go into the winter and they overwinter as egg or they have the egg masses. And then in the spring, those eggs start hatching out. And then you start seeing all the the life cycle of this insect. It goes through uh, different stages that we call uh, the nymphal stages until they become adults. And that's usually late in August. But that's the problem because also uh, you can move uh, during depending on the time of the year, you can move. Uh, different uh, life stages of these insects. So right now, September, October are critical time for, for us to be on alert because we have adults. That's the, the only uh, uh, life stage we can find at this point are adults. And those are the ones that you can uh, uh, move from one place to other. And uh, if they have been uh, mating, uh, they can uh, lay the eggs, and then you'll have a problem the next year. Uh, they can hide uh, in vehicles. They can hide in in uh, in logs, in stones. So, and and the egg masses are very hard to to see. So, uh, it is very challenging just to uh, control and 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 contain the outbreaks of this insect in the state. That almost makes me think back to the 90s when Lyme disease started to become more prevalent 
It started out where it was something in the Connecticut, New Jersey, New York region. And then now it can basically be, you know, the, the deer ticks carrying Lyme disease can be found all over the country. Um, look, you know, doing a little bit of preliminary research myself before this, it sounds like the area is spreading out. And when I see this region, I'm a backpacker and I have to think, okay, those of us who backpack in this region are people that are through hiking the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Maine. There's a possibility, unknowingly, as much as we love the outdoor, we could be carrying this spotted lantern fly into further areas. We could be spreading its its uh, domain accidentally because if it can get into your car, it certainly can get into somebody's backpack. That is true, and and that that's very possible, Martin. So I have actually pictures. Uh, I've been in areas where uh, there is a high infestation of spotted lantern fly. And I got pictures of spotted lanternfly adults just jumping on my shoulder. And you can walk with that spotted lanternfly, and, and you, you're basically not aware of that insect. Uh, they don't bite. They don't sting. They don't do anything to you. So uh, it's, it's, it's really hard sometimes to know that you have uh, a spotted lanternfly uh, on your body. And, yeah, you, you are correct. So it is very important, like, you mentioned Lyme disease and ticks. You know, we are always recommending to do a tick check uh, after you go out hiking. Uh, we're recommending the same thing with spotted lanternfly. Just do a spotted lanternfly check. Uh, if you're going into an area that uh, we have uh, 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 reported uh, outbreaks or populations that are being established, just to make sure that you do an inspection uh, of yourself, your bags, even your vehicles, because you don't know, you might be just moving uh, one or a couple of spotted lantern fly from one location into a new area. And what should we do if we find one? We get home, we get out of our car, and there's one on the back seat of our car that hitchhiked home with us. Uh, Martin, well, the, the first thing would be to try to kill it. Uh, just make sure you're not gonna uh, let let it escape. Uh, and if you can, uh, we are recommending the people just to take a picture. And this is very important. So, citizen scientists like yourself, if you see this insect, it's very important to report that to uh, the state agencies. Uh, the, the Department of Agriculture and Markets are in charge of the eradication efforts. And it's very important to for us to get uh, those reports because they can uh, uh, make a better uh, coordinate better the eradication efforts, uh, rapid response, and uh, mitigation of those areas where we have uh, uh, where those spotted lanternfly have been reported. So, kill it, take a picture, and uh, send that information to the state. That's that's very important for for us and to at least slow the spread of this invasive in the state. Right, and that makes a lot of sense because, right? If I if I spot one and I get home and I take a picture and wh- whatever agency I send it to verifies, okay, that is a spotted lanternfly. Then, okay, well, you know, I was at Harriman State Park, and okay, so somewhere between Harriman State Park and my house, this fly ended up in my car. It helps those agencies pinpoint where it came from and 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 hopefully maybe even zero in on where the epicenter is of this problem. Absolutely. And, and, and as you would imagine, uh, that the state probably doesn't have the personal and the resources to send everybody just to, to confirm uh, a report of these insects. So 
the pictures. Now we have uh, cell phones with really good cameras. So a good picture and more information about where the insect uh, was observed is, is very important. So, uh, and I'll send you the link uh, for uh, the place where you can upload your pictures and submit uh, those signings to the state. Yeah, we'll be sure to have that in the description for the podcast. We'll get it on the website and on our social media as well, because as we said in the opening here, this is a very important issue to those of us that love the outdoors. It's not just agricultural products we have to worry about being damaged by this. It's some of the indigenous plants that we enjoy seeing as we're hiking through the woods. Yeah, that, that is correct, uh, Martin. So some native trees, maple trees, uh, black walnuts, uh, willows. Uh, yeah, some, some of those native uh, tree uh, or native tree species, uh, they might be impacted as well by the spotted lanternfly. Mm-hmm. Do you know, you, know, you said that it was first, the first sighting was in Pennsylvania. Um, you believe they came here from Asia. Are you noticing a, a pattern? Are they spreading out or are they heading in a certain direction, like north or south? Have, have they, have, has that been determined yet? Uh, well, uh, yes, uh, Martin. So, and as I mentioned earlier, it has to do uh, that that is spread and movement is related to human activity. So you're going to see those uh, big highways. So along those big highways, uh, that's where we're seeing uh, a consistent uh, spread of these invasive railroads as well. So that's uh, that's one that is really hard to to control. So if you get some hitchhikers getting on on a train, basically, you can easily move those from one place to another. So I think those two are big big factors uh, contributing to the spread of this invasive into new areas. That has to make it much more difficult, I would think, because yeah, you know, this fly can crawl up inside of a railroad car or a motor vehicle. We don't go checking around our cars for insects and I know the railroad doesn't check every card for these little insects that has some really compound um, how much effort it'll take to get this under control. Yeah, it is. It is very challenging, Martin. I wish uh, we were more optimistic about the outlook of these uh, invasive in the U S uh, I think it's going to continue moving into uh, different areas and it's going to get established. So just look at Pennsylvania. They've been on this, fighting this pest for seven years, uh, and it's very well established in some locations. So uh, for, for New York, uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. What we're trying to do right now with the state, uh, Cornell University, and, and other uh, local agencies is basically educate the people. Uh, the early detection is very important for us. And we're just trying to buy time. We just want to slow the spread, buy some time, allow scientists to get uh, develop more tools that are safe, uh, sustainable, and effective uh, in controlling these pests uh, in New York State. Now, some of these invasive species, insect species, have, we, we can go and see damage. Um, well, you know, so, there's been some fungus that have created damage. I know the... Um, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the tree up in the Adirondacks, but I remember being up there last year and just seeing this area that was, you could see the trees were invaded by this, this fungus that had killed them. Have we reached that point with the spotted lanternfly where we can go into an area and say, wow, this, the plant life has been wiped out here by the, by the spotted lanternfly. 
So I think that the good news is that uh, these uh, native uh, species that I mentioned, some of these trees, they are uh, able to sustain uh, the overwhelming attack of the spotted lanternfly. I think uh, plants like uh, grapes and hops, which are like vine, they're vines, uh, they, uh, when the insect starts feeding and I mean, it's not like you have one insect feeding on the plant. You have, uh, dozens or a hundred just covering the plant that debilitates the plant. And also the insect produce, uh, uh, uh an excretion that is called the honeydew, which is basically a, a, su- a sugary substance. Uh, and that uh, can cover the leaves of those plants. And uh, it promotes the growth of uh, a mold that is called a city mold. And that also reduces the area for the plant to do photosynthesis. So it's a combination of the feeding and also the honeydew that end up just killing the plant. But a, a big tree, uh, like a maple tree, is able to sustain the attack of this insect. I think the biggest concern uh, definitely is in agriculture, uh, particularly for grapes and hops at this at this moment. Right, they're they're smaller. And they don't have the ability to regenerate the way a, a tree would. Um, yeah, so the damage is more long term, and they can. I'm guessing long term hops and grapes could actually the, the vines could die. Um, yeah, that's that's what we're seeing in Pennsylvania, Martin. So you you get a lot of plants that they end up just dying. Mm-hmm. Now, I read recently they've been finding them as far north as Ithaca, and in that area, there's a great concern because of the Finger Lakes wine region. That is correct, uh, Mark. Yeah. So long term, I mean, I, it's tough to plan for something like this because right now it just—it sounds like you just you just have to run around putting around putting out a lot of wildfires, um, so to speak, uh, with this. But is there? a long-term plan on how this might be able to, to be addressed to stop the spread of it? Uh, yes, Martin. So early detection is very important. So, and that's one of the basic uh, uh, tools uh, of integrated pest management. So you have to be ahead of the pest. Uh, so training uh, the people, agricultural workers, growers, how to identify the pest and if you have an early detection, it's easier to contain the spread. So there's different tools that you can use just to, to uh, contain uh, the outbreak. And if you uh, are very uh, disciplined doing those things, you, you're going to have a good chance to grow your crops uh, without having a negative impact. But if you're not doing practicing uh, scouting, uh, active monitoring in your uh, in your orchards, uh, and also practicing some uh, basic uh, 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 recommendations how to uh, grow your crops and and uh, keeping the healthier, uh, it's, it's just going to be very difficult. But I think that those things, early detection. A rapid response in those areas where uh, we expect is going to move its, its keep. And, and then you just have to look at the toolbox and uh, choose those tools that are effective, uh, they're safe, uh, and they're economically viable as well. 
This is, sounds like we all have got to be. We all have to be in on this. The people, you know, not just your agencies like you or educators, but we all need to be doing our part. Those of us who love the outdoors, whether we hike, bike, canoe, some, and not even large scale farmers. Those of us who have gardens need to be aware of this, right? If you just have a grapevine or have some plants you're growing in your backyard, you probably should be aware of this. So if you see it, you can report it. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using the permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Yes, Martin, that's a- absolutely true. Uh, every every observation from each uh, citizen in the state is very important because it's going to allow us to contain uh, the, the outbreaks and slow the spread. So, yes, it's very important to educate the people about this invasive, uh, the risk, and uh, the different ways uh, the state uh, and different agencies are uh, doing to manage these uh, invasive in the state. Uh, have there been any experiments or um, talk of um, insecticides to help mitigate this? Uh, yes, Martin. So insecticides are uh, kind of the last uh, resource uh, for managing uh, pests. And uh, yes, there's uh, uh, some some uh, insecticides that are registered in the state, uh, some for agricultural uses. Uh, and some others that uh, licensed uh, professionals uh, are the only ones uh, they can use to uh, spray for this insect. Uh, and, and there's some uh, new, new technologies and the other different ways looking at biological control agents as well. So there's scientists uh, looking in Asia, uh, which is their native range, uh, looking at uh, natural enemies. And uh, I mean, but that that's going to take some time to identify those natural enemies uh, to see how much impact they uh, produce on the on the spotted lanternfly, and then uh, try to bring them into the states. Uh, they have to do some mass rearing. Uh, they have to go through some approval before they can uh, be released. So uh, biological control is 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 an, uh, uh, another tool that we're exploring. Uh, there's uh, also some new uh, technologies that are targeting uh, some bacteria that they have in their guts. So they need that bacteria to process all the uh, plant material they're, they're feeding. And uh, if you target that bacteria, you might debilitate uh, the spotted lanternfly and uh, it can perhaps just starve to death. So there's different tools that uh, we are exploring right now. I don't think uh, those technologies are ready uh, for us to deploy. But I think that five, ten years from now, I think those uh, technologies are going to be available for for the people to use. 
and uh, hopefully they will be very effective. Now, I brought up insecticides because, you know, like you said, that's a last resort, of course, but it's also refreshing to hear that non-chemical means are being explored as well because there are a lot of organic farmers out there and there are a lot of people, more and more people are looking for organic foods. Uh, so, yes, it's very refreshing that that's on the list of possibilities to to mitigate this. And, you know, something that maybe has changed over the last 30 or 40 years is that chemical applications are maybe on the have become now the last resort to, to mitigate these problems. Yes, exactly, Martin. And, and it's, uh, I mean, that's, that's when there's no other way to uh, control uh, the pest. So, I mean, they, they play an important role in uh, pest management practices, but they have to be used very carefully. And I mean, this is uh, honestly, this is one of the concerns we have is that, once uh, it gets uh, very abundant, uh, there's going to be people that are going to uh, rely on chemicals to uh, control this pest, and uh, they might end up just uh, overusing or misusing these chemicals, and that's going to pose uh, a risk uh, to people and the environment. So we, we don't want to get uh, to that point. Right. As, as we've learned from past mistakes, um Killing one insect could be damaging the ecosystem, a chain in the ecosystem could have a long-term effect all the way down, right? That one insect you're trying to um, get rid of, you're also, there's there may be three or four in the chain that are being damaged as well. And that gets passed on along the food chain long-term. Right. That, that's correct, Mark. So, uh, and and again, I mean, they, they play an important tool in, in pest management for eradication purposes, for instance. You know, in, in some cases, I think you have to be very aggressive and uh, they have a place for that. But uh, for some other areas, we uh, prefer to uh, use some other tools before uh, using uh, a pesticide. Okay. So, Alejandro, tell us what to be looking for. What you know, I, I mean, this is a podcast. This is um, audio, so it's it's difficult. So as as best you can, I guess. And we're going to have pictures in the description and on the website. But could you give us a little bit of a detail of you know size and and what to look for for these for these flies? Absolutely, Martin. As an entomologist, I have to to tell you the truth. That is, uh, it's a really pretty insect. Is. Uh, the, the good news is that it's really colorful. It's really easy to uh, distinguish from uh, native uh, insects. Uh, it is about an inch long and half an inch uh, wide. Uh, the adults, uh, they have different colors on the wings. They have red colors and the, the wings also, uh, some areas of the wings, uh, they're kind of pinkish and they have black spots. And when they open the wings, uh, you can see uh, yellow, uh, black, and white marks in the abdomen. So it is very, the, the coloration is very distinctive. Uh, the juveniles or the, uh, the nymphal stages, uh, the early ones, they're black with white dots. And as they get older, uh, they turn red uh, with white dots and, and black marks. So uh, they're very colorful, uh, Martin. They're really easy to identify. Uh, they are not, the adults are not very good flyers, but they're very good jumpers. So even myself, that I'm, I consider a, a trained entomologist, 
Uh, the first time I saw a spotted lanternfly, which was this year uh, back in June, uh, it was very hard for me to catch uh, one of these insects. So they jump, they can jump up to four feet. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you can, uh, we can develop a competition uh, or uh, some type of contest uh, who kills more spotted lanternfly because uh, they're very hard to catch and kill. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you find one and if you're able to kill it, uh, that's that's a good thing. You can use a fly swat, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very, very colorful insect and uh, very with very distinctive uh, coloration. Yeah, I've never actually seen one, only photos of it. And my first impression from the photo was you, you'll look at that and say it just doesn't belong here in this environment. Right? We don't see flies, at least here in the Northeast, flies that are that colorful. Right. Yeah, yeah, that that's right, Mark. It'll get your attention, right? You'll be saying, okay, something at the minimum you'll be saying, okay, something doesn't look right. That that fly looks out of place here. Yeah. So Alejandro, where can we get more information on this? Now, you know, you could give us just a quick overview or some ideas, because we're gonna put all the links in the description for everybody. Um, so they can follow up on this. But just if you can give us a recap of uh where people can get some more information. Sure. So uh, our website, the uh, Cornell, uh, the New York State Integrated Pest Management uh, website, uh, which is uh, nysipm.cornell.edu. Uh, there's uh, a lot of information about spotted lanternfly, and we even have uh, some materials uh, in different languages. Uh, we also have the official distribution map of the spotted lanternfly. So I think that map has been uh, updated just recently. And uh, there's also the uh, websites uh, from uh, the Department of Environmental Conservation and uh, some uh, from other states as well. So Penn State has a, a very good website. I mean, they've been doing this for years. They have a lot of information and resources as well. And uh, the link uh, where uh, you can submit uh, your reports, I think that's very important. If you see a spotted lanternfly, if you're able to take a picture, we are encouraging the people to uh, submit those reports uh, to the state, to the Department of Ag and Markets, and so they can just take the steps to uh, verify that it's a spotted lanternfly and they can uh, react uh, quickly to uh, contain the spread of these things. Alejandro, one last question. This came to me while listening to you. you. Brought up Penn State. Are the are the universities and the government agencies all working together on this? Absolutely, Martin. So we we are partnering with uh, the state agencies and federal agencies. Uh, state agencies like uh, the Department of Ag and Markets, uh, the Department of Environmental Conservation, uh, the prisons, uh, which are uh, 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 regional uh, agencies that are in charge of invasive species, doing uh, eradication and education. And also we are constantly communicating with another land-grant university systems, such as uh, Penn State University, because they have the experience they have uh, uh, better, uh, more experience how to address the issues uh, related to a spotted lanternfly. 
so yeah, this is a, a team team effort, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the only way we can uh, fight this uh, pest. Yeah, because unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. All right, sometimes one hand doesn't know what the other's doing, but when everybody's on the same page, you're going in the same direction. You're gonna it's, you're more likely to find an answer. Um, yeah, yeah, Spartan, that's that's right, and we're all all together on this. I think we all have to come together and uh, help us fighting this pest. Well, Alejandra, thank you for coming on. And I just want to encourage everybody that's listening, you know, whether you're out in your garden, you're out hiking, you're out on a bike ride, take these measures, look around. If you see it, please take the picture. We're going to have all these links. We're going to have photos available for you. Uh, as you heard Alejandro say, we all need to work together on this. This is something everybody, we all need to to do our part. Um, so let's do it. Alejandro, uh, Colexia, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for uh, being so generous with your time and sharing your knowledge with us. No, thank you, Martin, for the invitation. This is uh, very important for us. And thank you for uh, getting the word out. All righty. Everybody, make sure you visit PapaBearHikes.com, our website. Check out what's going on, uh, any recent updates, any important information like what you heard here tonight. Everybody, get outdoors and let's all be safe out there. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.